The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome. You have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day and welcome to the Genesis Zone Show. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Um, talk about timing. Shortly after my last podcast episode um, about psilocybin and its use in depression and anxiety, uh, as soon as that podcast episode is in the books, a good buddy and a research partner of mine texted me a screenshot of a new study that was released about two hours after the show aired. Now, my research buddy isn't some fly-by-night guy. He's part of a team that um, the Bear Grylls show hires to go in ahead of time and scout out medicinal and edible plants in the environment where Bear will be shooting upcoming episodes. Uh, this guy's legit. So when he sends me something, I pay attention and I go down the rabbit hole with him. Uh, by the way, uh, I've been trying to get him on this show for over a year, but he's pretty shy. Uh, full of knowledge, but pretty shy. Um, I'll I'll get him on here eventually for a series of some kind, uh, and he's going to blow your mind. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, twenty twenty two is the year. He doesn't know it yet, but he will be on this show in twenty twenty two. Anyway, uh, I dropped what I was doing and immediately looked at the article that he sent. Uh, so far, it's the largest study of its kind with just under 9,000 participants. Uh, it was an open enrollment study that stayed open for um, several months. Um, uh, and, a, and a number of uh, uh, participants, they've, they've actually gone into phase two of the study and they're still in open enrollment and a number of participants continue uh, to participate or, or enroll. So this study is continuing to grow. We're gonna have more data in, in numbers larger than 9,000 uh, here over the coming months. Um, I, had, I had originally intended to end the series on psilocybin with the last episode, but when this one came out, I was like, I've got to do a show on this particular study because it's that important. So let's dive in. Uh, this study was published in the journal Scientific Reports on November the 18th. It's titled, it's a long title, so bear with me. Adults who microdose psychedelics report health-related motivations and lower levels of anxiety, depression, uh, and stress compared to non-microdosers. Now, in this study, there were 4,050 participants who microdosed and 4,653 participants who did not microdose. So it was a really good comparative analysis. I mean, we've got these two large groups one that microdoses, one that doesn't. In research terms, this is a very big study. It has what's referred to as power uh, because of the sheer size of it. Now, power is also related to the design of the study and things like that. Uh, but as far as sheer size, it has the power behind it. Uh, psilocybin was the most commonly used microdose substance with 85% of the participants reporting uh, in this study using psilocybin versus other substances. Now, demographically, microdosers were similar to non-microdosers, but microdosers were more likely to report mental health concerns compared to non-microdosers. I'm going to get more into the demographics here in just a second. 
So here's what the group of study participants uh, looked like. Uh, just in case you didn't know, when big pharma and other big pharma influenced research uh, researchers conduct research about drugs, new drugs, they purposefully stack uh, the, the study with an overwhelming majority of participants who are male. And in many cases, these studies are all male. Um, this has been the case for decades. And yes, I know what you're thinking. Well, what about female-oriented drugs, hormones, things like that? Believe it or not, they also use males in those studies, overwhelming majority. It's kind of crazy, I know, but I digress. Uh, we can get on that soapbox another day for another show. I want to stay on topic today. So the sign of a good study is that women are not excluded for any reason, which was the case in this particular study. Now, 23% of the participants in this study were women. Um, that That's actually a good number. I know it sounds kind of low, but that's actually a good number as far as voluntary enrollment. Um, interestingly, just over 80% of participants were over the age of 25 uh, years of age, and 10.9% of, of all the participants were greater than 55 years of age. I thought that was really interesting. Um, participants were largely college-educated, with 55.2% of participants reporting college-level academic experience and 13.6% reporting graduate-level college experience. And that kind of goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little side, sidebar here, that kind of goes with what we see with microdosing having been used in Silicon Valley for decades uh, for productivity enhancement, uh, thinking pattern enhancement, creativity enhancement, and things like that. And, and notice I said microdosing, not hero dosing. So yes, microdosing actually helps helps in those areas. It's been known for a long time. Hasn't necessarily been researched to the full extent that we would like it to, but anecdotally uh, in those populations that are highly college educated, uh, a lot of graduate PhD level people use use this in Silicon Valley because it pushes their productivity and pushes their thinking patterns uh, to think outside the box. Uh, now that we have a grasp on who these participants are, let's move on to the results. Um, the number one cluster of results was this. Microdosers who reported mental health concerns at the beginning of the study exhibited lower levels of depression, anxiety, and stress equally across all gender lines at the end of the study by approximately 10% improvement. So really, really interesting tidbit. If you didn't have any depression, anxiety, or stress that you reported in the beginning, you typically just didn't see that much improvement, okay? So if you're a person that doesn't struggle struggle with those things, depression, anxiety, stress-related uh, issues, then you're probably not gonna get, see much of a mood enhancement benefit off of it. Now, that's contrary to antidepressants. Uh, antidepressants, prescription antidepressants, if you're not depressed, you could actually take them and get a euphoric feeling, almost a manic feeling. <clears throat> so I thought that was interesting from a psychiatric clinical perspective. We just didn't see that in this study. It was only the people who struggled with depression, anxiety, and stress saw a benefit from, from that particular effect from microdosing. The number two uh, benefit, which I thought was really, really interesting, and I'm going to go in more detail about that here in just a second, is health and wellness-related motives were highest among those who microdosed. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Psilocybin, 
technically speaking, is listed as a Schedule One illicit drug by the federal government. By and and for that fact, by ninety five percent of all the world's governments, listed as an as an illicit drug. It's included as part of the war on drugs, along with meth, cocaine, crack, heroin, LSD, and marijuana. Yet here we have research proof that this natural substance called psilocybin, given in the right doses, low doses to be exact, improves motivation for health and wellness and improves depression, anxiety, and stress. Now, having treated more than my fair share of persons who struggle with substance abuse, both inpatient and outpatient, uh, in, in inpatient settings and outpatient settings, all of the other drugs that people can abuse decrease motivation for health and wellness measures. In other words, people lose interest in taking care of themselves, but not so with psilocybin in these low doses. It's really interesting. We've always been taught that all drugs are destructive. And I, and I truly believe that drugs like uh, alcohol, cocaine, meth, crack, heroin fit that bill. So with psilocybin, does this mean that we're going to have to change the narrative? Well, I have a two-part prediction to answer this question. Part one of my prediction is this. The narrative about the legality of psilocybin and the ethics of psilocybin's use will change when Big Pharma comes out with a synthetic man-made version of their own. Oh, and, and guess what? They're already currently working on it. In fact, they already have it. Researchers at Imperial College of London, Johns Hopkins University, and NYU are testing synthetic psilocybin in clinical trials as we speak. And privately held companies such as Compass Pathways, Atai Life Sciences, and Cygen have been working on this compound uh, together, and it's called COMP360. COMP stands for compound. They haven't even named it yet. COMP360. Why do they need a synthetic version, you ask? Well, it's simple. You can't patent a natural substance. So psilocybin is unpatentable and therefore too cheap. It makes nobody any money. So when you patent something, you get to control the price. This is unfortunate because so many people who struggle with debilitating depression and anxiety could benefit from the sheer decriminalization and legalization of psilocybin if the powers that be so chose to do so. And if you don't think the narrative will change when big pharma comes up with their own version and you're thinking, but Dr. Brian, there's no precedence for this. I'll tell you that there is a precedence. Let me explain. Look at ADHD medications. For example, did you know that ADHD medications were based on illegal drugs like crystal meth, methamphetamine, now, before you go all sideways and say, but Dr. Brian, meth isn't a natural substance. I know it's not. It's a man-made substance, but it's illegal. It's a Schedule One illegal drug, illicit drug. But it's a prime example of big pharma taking an illicit drug and making it into a profit generator. One of the first ADHD medications to hit the market was Ritalin, methylphenidate. Um, by classification, it's a methyl amphetamine. You don't need to know the science behind all the, uh, the the chemical compound structure of that. It's just a methylamphetamine, just like crystal meth, but it's proprietary and it's patentable. And it was a chemical created by Big Pharma Laboratory. Therefore, they got to control the price on it for decades. And 
guess what? It's manufactured in low controlled doses. See a pattern here? So crystal meth, people who abuse crystal meth, they use these extremely high doses. People who abuse psilocybin, they use extremely high doses. But now we, we, as back with crystal meth, they were noticing that very low doses of crystal meth improved attention, concentration, focus. They decreased hyperactivity. And they were like, oh, maybe we're onto something here. So big pharma grasped hold of that. They took that compound and made it into something they could sell. And those low and controlled doses, that's the same thing that's happening with psilocybin. Then the next ADHD drug on the market was dexedrine, a.k.a. dextroamphetamine. Scientists took the methylamphetamine compound, Ritalin, tweaked it just a little bit, and voila, a new compound was born that was a bit longer acting and a good bit more potent than methylphenidate or methylamphetamine group of drugs. So as you can see, there is a precedence already. And this is just one example. Part two of my prediction is that Big Pharma comes out, when, when Big Pharma comes out with a synthetic version of psilocybin, much like the methylamphetamines and the dextroamphetamines uh, that Big Pharma made, this new synthetic psilocybin will be, will be a very pricey Schedule II drug that has to be prescribed. Now, your AD, just for contrast, your ADHD drugs are Schedule II drugs. Okay. Um, your, your morphines, your oxycontins, those types of pharmaceuticals are all schedule two drugs. So they can be prescribed. Uh, generally in the United States, a prescriber, uh, who has DEA privileges like I do, you can prescribe schedule two through four. Okay. Uh, schedule one are your research drugs and illicit drugs. Uh, you have to have a special research um, uh, privilege under the DEA in order to be able to house those and house and use them for clinical research only. Um, but the, these are just my two predictions and it's just a hunch. Uh, but in this case, history will likely repeat itself again. That's what big pharma does. They've got a model and it works. Well, that's it for today. If you or someone, you know, is struggling with depression and God forbid, thinking of suicide, I encourage you to reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. And I have a favor to ask. The information provided on the show does not get out into the world unless you and I partner together. One of the biggest ways you can help spread the word is to subscribe to my podcast. Uh, I keep my show really tight. So they'll, they'll ra rarely run over 20 minutes. Uh, this show right now is coming up on 16 minutes. If you like my content, here's how you can help. Go to Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and subscribe to my podcast. Uh, Apple Podcast has is, is been in the works for a while. Their system's glitchy, and we're working through those glitches, and we'll be on Apple uh, any day now. Um, I'll post the, the, the links to those, uh, those, those areas where you can download my podcast in, in the show notes. Or if you're watching this live on Facebook, uh, you'll be able to catch those right underneath um, the, the show posting. Um, or you can simply look up Genesis Zone with Dr. Brian Brown. Um, thank you. Uh, ahead of time, thank you. And, and coming soon, um, we're going to be uh, doing a big announcement. Um, in, in the new year, we're, we're, 
we are we are putting some different infrastructure in place for the boot camp that you've heard me talking about. So stay tuned for that. You're going to be really really excited. I'm going to be opening up a uh, possibly opening up a, a free Facebook group. Who knows? You know, um, where we can start opening up some dialogue and and having some regular communication uh, on the subject of epigenetics. Uh, tune in next Thursday at noon Eastern Standard Time for our next. Uh, in the zone segment, uh, where I'll be discussing the latest research uh, and my insights about that research as it relates to epigenetics, optimizing your physical, physical and emotional uh, uh, health, and your wellness journey. Most informed, most trusted, and most grateful you spent this time with us today. Until next time, I'm Dr. Brian Brown. Stay in the zone. Mm-hmm.